Thanks for tuning in. This episode of An Ounce of Prevention is actually published as a video feature on our website and YouTube page. Check out the podcast description for the link or go to www.womenindistress.org and click podcast, listen and learn. That's www.womenindistress.org, then click podcast, listen and learn. If you prefer an audio only version, just keep listening. Thanks. Welcome back to the podcast. An Ounce of Prevention is all about building awareness to end domestic violence and create a violence-free future for our community. And yes, we do think it's possible to have a future free of violence, and we hope that after listening and learning, you will too. Each episode, we break down different aspects of the work, talking to survivors, advocates, community members, and others. And today, as you might have noticed, we're doing a special video episode featuring Women in Distress's Family Services Team to highlight April as Child Abuse Prevention Month. Through their therapy and advocacy, the Family Services Team supports survivors and their children on their journey to safety. And they do it not only with knowledge, care, and experience, but also with a little laughter and silliness, as you'll see. (laughs) 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 I'm sorry. (laughs) So from the Women in Distress Education and Prevention Team, I'm Emily Janice. And today on the podcast, an ounce of care is worth a pound of healing. Thanks for joining us. Let's meet the team and hear about the work that they do. There's something special about being able to affect positive change in a young person's life. Just because of what they experience doesn't mean that it's gonna control their life and make them into a bad person because there's no such thing as a bad kid. first question we asked was when people ask you what you do, what do you say? What do I do? I say I play, but I play with purpose. We do a lot of play therapy techniques and I like to use art in my therapy sessions um, and music and puppets and things Um, since play is the first language we all speak and the main one that children speak. We do a lot of play in our sessions to help them process and talk about the things that are really scary or difficult or also fun for them. Um, I usually start by telling them I'm a superhero. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I usually start by telling them that I do really important work. Um, I'm a therapist for kids um, and families, but that I actually do therapeutic work for children that have been in domestic violence situations, um, possibly been abused, and that it's a tough population to work with, but that it's extremely rewarding. I tell them where I work, and I tell them that I think that most exciting part of what I do in my work is I do supervise a team that is co-located with child welfare. So I find that very intriguing. I like our involvement because I believe it really truly helps the family and the children to move forward. I work with kids from the ages of 2 to 17 and We do one-on-one therapy. Sometimes we do family therapy, but I work with kids that have been exposed to trauma or experienced trauma, specifically domestic violence. And I help them with numerous goals like anxiety, uh, self-esteem, depression, anger, and helping them heal and move forward with 
the trauma that they've experienced? I usually say I'm a therapist and I work with children and families. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I am a family advocate slash victim advocate. And the reason I say that is because I do work um, mostly with children, um, making sure that uh, I know a little bit more about their case, re registering them um, at their organization so they can receive resources that they need and making the referrals for the therapy. A lot of the time, they're, I'm their first point of contact because they're coming from a traumatic domestic violence situation and um, they they just express what they um, what they need and I look for the resources that um, each of them may need for their case most a lot of the time or most of the times um, it's for therapy but there's also a lot of other stuff that they may need There's something special about being able to affect positive change in a young person's life, knowing that they will grow up and hopefully what you did with them at that time would stem the flow of whatever trauma they had experienced. What matters about that is the children are the future generations. And if Women in Distress is ever going to live up to its mission of stopping domestic violence for everybody and keeping families and communities safe, we have to start with the children. We got to break those patterns of intergenerational violence and being the person that that young child can look up to and feel safe, feel secure, help that parent know how to talk to their child in ways that's age appropriate and developmentally appropriate to help them understand and process what they've gone through. That makes all the difference. Advocating for that family helps them immensely. They have somebody that they can rely on, they have somebody that they can lean on, that they can ask questions from, that they can learn, inform themselves uh, to, be to be able to then kind of move forward and hopefully not have the system again involved in their lives. My work matters because early intervention is the best way to help anyone grow. If we can intervene early on, we can hopefully break the cycle of abuse, any other kinds of problematic behaviors or troubling behaviors that we break the cycle and move on to a healthier, happier generation. I think what I do matters because I'm able to provide support and resources for a lot of people that have a very difficult situation and that don't always have access to a lot of things. Um, I'm able to not only be there as a support system, but also as a lending hand. And I think sometimes that can be just as beautiful as being there for as a support system. Um, the work that we do here and the work that I'm able to do here is so small, but so big on a grand level. Um, and it really helps, you know, those individuals that unfortunately are impacted by domestic violence in their communities. I feel like kids are so vulnerable and impressionable. They have so much power to be successful, healthy adults. And just because of what they experience doesn't mean that it's going to control their life 
and make them into a bad person because there's no such thing as a bad kid. You know, it's, it's different. It's different because we lose that in-person ability. Like, so it's kind of harder now because everybody's being safe. So you can't really be in person as much or just the communication barrier could be lost. But I think it also is growing because you can reach more people. It's a little bit strange, but it's getting better. Although wearing, you know, all the masks and all the protocols, it's kind of strange and it, it can take away that kind of um, personal experience. It's strange. Wearing masks and not being able to see their expressions is really weird. Um, some kids actually feel very brave when they're with me and they're like, oh, you don't have to wear a mask. So they try and set the rules and that makes it challenging because we have to be careful and cautious. A lot of thinking on your toes and a lot of being flexible and also laughing at mistakes. You have to be able to laugh at the frustrations and be able to roll with the punches. One thing that I'm really proud of about Women in Distress is that we never actually had to shutter our doors for services. In fact, we did just the opposite. We pivoted and we adopted a hybrid model of service delivery, which included telehealth. For the very first time, I got to be a part of that. Um, it's something that really helped our little guys and gals and our parents stay connected in such an uncertain time. You know, everybody was really concerned about how they're going to stay safe. And especially during COVID, when folks were even locked up with their abusers, that's a really difficult time for them. And being able to continue to provide services is immensely important. I think today, a lot of it has to do with, with the socialization. Again, a lot of them have been kind of kept back, um, doing virtual school. Um, they don't have their friends. Um, little kids, you know, for the most part are social beings. Um, and they need that socialization in order to kind of keep growing. And so I think that has affected a lot. Um, being kind of in four walls with just their family. Um, is, is a tough one. Um, and again, having that danger under the roof also, um, I think has created some situations where it's become very tough, uh, for kids. Plus they don't have an, they don't have a place to go to feel safe, to talk to somebody, um, about that safety or let them know what's going on. I think a lot of kids have to grow up sooner than they are ready to. And we live in a world that's hyper-connected with technology. And a lot of us parents, unfortunately, they just can't keep up. And so a lot of it has to do with educating the parent on how they can help their children navigate this world that is rapidly changing. I think they are excited about the future in some aspects, but may not be prepared for the rapid evolving change of society. Probably not giving them that time. I think with COVID life, I just think that people get wrapped up into their own issues and their own problems. And I think just not spending that quality time with the kids. Kids are spending a lot of times in um, in their in the internet, and so that I think that has kind of increased the cases that we've seen of bullying. Um, 
and cyberbullying as well. When you combine that with um, domestic violence, which people have spent a lot of their times at home, and um, it's kind of a combination of things. So they're seeing domestic violence at home, and then they're also getting it from their peers or from whoever else they connect on the internet. I would say that I think that a lot of kiddos have a tough time right now with just emotional regulation. Um, A lot of people, even adults, don't know how to regulate. Um, We get flooded easily. Things irritate us. Things bother us. But we have those words, right? We can explain those things that bother us, the things that trigger us. Kids, on the other hand, they don't necessarily know how to say it or when to say it. So they don't always get the opportunity to express themselves or to explore those things. And so with the work that I do, I'm able to use play as a way for them to express those things and explore those things. And it gives them more tools to be more successful as an adult in their lives. I thought of this. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, To preventing education. Definitely education. Starts with education. Like we keep educating people on domestic violence. Educate people on what domestic violence is. The more conversations we have and the more education we can provide, I think that that's the first place that we can start because the more knowledge we have is power. Um, I think that's the first step to um, bring that awareness of, of what domestic violence is because a lot of people think that domestic violence is only physical and it it's only the, the really bad cases that um, can be considered domestic violence. Making people aware of the, the different types of abuse, I think is very important. And teaching children from a young age and exposing them to, um, to that knowledge can um, prevent them from actually experiencing it later in the future. I know when I first started working with domestic violence, my first thought was physical abuse and the things you can see on a person's body. Um, but it's so much more than that. Um, and I think it's important to educate not only the adults, but also the children on what abuse is, what a healthy relationship is, what a healthy friendship is, um, so that armed with knowledge, they can make better decisions for themselves of situations they want to be in. I think we can spread the word, kind of like when I said, I think it's important that we just keep advocating. We keep doing this work because it seems like, like they were saying, it's something that is in everyone's, not in everyone's room, but it's something that it's, it's a major topic. And I think it comes up more than often, but people just overlook it. Unfortunately, it's still such a taboo topic that a lot of people don't want to be as aware of it or have those uncomfortable conversations. And unfortunately, it is so prevalent and it does happen so often that when people do talk about it, oh, how could that happen? I don't understand how that could happen. But the reality is that this is happening to multiple people every day, every second of the day. Informing uh, people are not only um, the, the one that we will consider that participant or that victim, but also that person that is creating the harm. Um, I believe that there's a hole in that, that, that we are doing an excellent job in bringing information about domestic violence and abuse to out, to the outside world. Um, but we're not having that conversation with those that are creating that harm. And why is it harm? And how is that harm affecting 
um, not only their partner, but the children. If we're able to work with a child and we can prevent them from turning into an adult that has these leftover trauma reminders, or sometimes we call them ghosts from the nursery, if we're able to help them process those things, if we're able to help them find ways that they can navigate life without viewing it only as these bad things that happen to them, without making them think that the world is a scary, unsafe, unpredictable place, they will become productive members of society. They'll learn to create. They'll learn to appreciate life. And they'll learn to love. Try to keep safe. Um, be, be communicative. Be straightforward. Um, not only with your partner, but with your children. Age appropriately. Kids will assume that because they're little, they don't quite understand or they don't know. And that's not the case. They do see, they do hear, they do understand. They do feel when things are not going right. So we need to keep that in mind. We need to keep in mind that if we have kids, we have to be forthcoming with them. We have to explain things to them, age appropriately, educate them um, as they grow. I would say that um, whatever you're going through, um, small or um, big, um, you're not alone. I think a lot of people think that, feel when they go through a bad experience that they're alone in that situation and that's not the case. So understanding that you're not alone and that there's people willing to help you um, just as we are. Coming to us looking for help, I think that's a very important um, thing to do, um, but knowing that you're not alone, um, I would emphasize that. <laughs> One thing I would say is thank you to the families that come here for, for services. I know some people have a hard time talking about their trauma, but I always thank parents for allowing me in their life to walk alongside them and, and help them heal because I know that or I don't know, I should say I don't know, but I assume what they've been through is it's it's indescribable and I will never understand it fully, but I just thank them for trusting us and allowing us in their lives to help them in the next chapter of their life in healing. That was beautiful. That was really nice. Thanks. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks for listening to me. Well, you've got the job. <laughs> Is there anything else you want our listeners to know? No. <laughs> um, I'm the best therapist ever. No, just kidding. <laughs> I just have a really great boss. Hey, all right. We'll keep that one in. <laughs> Everything you do in life matters. We all have choices. Make good ones. Thanks for listening. This episode of An Ounce of Prevention was brought to you by the outstanding education and prevention team at Women in Distress, a nonprofit certified domestic violence center in beautiful Broward County, Florida. 
Special thanks, of course, to our amazing guests on the Family Services team, Adriana Lopez, Danielle Baker, Jessica Del Pozo, Maddie Main, Maxwell Couture, Natalie Myers, and Patricia Omania. Special, special thanks to Max for all the editing help and guidance and good questions. So until next time, stay well, stay safe, and remember, violence is preventable. For everyone out there, please know that there is help if you or someone you know is experiencing dating violence, domestic abuse, or an unhealthy relationship. To talk to someone and get help, contact your local domestic violence hotline. If you're in Broward County, you can contact Women in Distress. Our crisis hotline number is 954-761-1133. You can also contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline wherever you are at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Well, thanks, Danny. Is there uh, anything else you want to share with our listeners? Yeah. Um, yeah. Can, yeah, I would like to share a little magic trick with you. All right, let's see the magic trick. Okay, just close your eyes. Okay. Poop, I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.